Terms of Enlightenment contains adult language and adult situations and is not appropriate for anyone. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, our lovely enlightened ones. Curl up by the fire for this wintry Terms of Enlightenment. As some of you may be aware, there are some who call me Nathan. And there are some who call me Tony. Six episodes, Tony. Can you freaking believe it? This is amazing. It really is. Any one of our listeners want to count the number of movie references I made in those last two sentences? It was like four. So, once again, this episode was suggested by you, you, our lovely enlightened ones. For all of you who want to hear us cover a specific topic, who haven't suggested one yet, feel free to make a suggestion. You can find us on Facebook under Terms of Enlightenment, or email us at termsofenlightenment at gmail.com. You don't have to make a suggestion either. You can tell us what you think of the show, offer us money, or just say hi. We like money. Yes, we like hi too, but money is better. True. So, Tony, what can you tell me about the Matilda effect? Honestly, I've never heard of it. Well, the Matilda effect refers to the denial, removal, or miscrediting of the contributions of women in math and science. Huh. It was coined by Margaret Rossiter. Rossiter? so bad at names yeah and was named for american suffragette matilda j gage who was the first who publicly called attention to this phenomenon okay so if i'm being honest with you tony mm-hmm. yeah. and you our lovely enlightened ones gotta be honest with when this topic was suggested it was written as the disappearance of women in math and science yes I actually reached out to the listener who suggested it for clarification. Yes. Because I thought there was some secret cabal kidnapping female scientists and mathematicians. Uh, that's, that's not the case, which is both a relief and also a disappointment because what's actually happened is, one, still happening. Yeah. Two, not nearly as exciting. That's true. But three, far more insidious. Oh, jeez. Let's talk about it. As I researched this topic, I was surprised at how few I actually knew about, but how much of their contributions I was aware of. Mm-hmm. It's just so many of the discoveries. Like, I knew about it. You know, clearly, these things happened you know, to get where we are now, but no idea who actually... Who, who actually, discovered them. Or, right, exactly. Right. So, some may ask, if these women's contributions were removed or miscredited, how could I possibly research them? Well, surely they've got to be somewhere. Well, that's one of the ways this is so insidious. No attempt has ever been made to hide the credit being given to male colleagues or husbands or mm. you know, fathers in some cases. Yeah. It's just been accepted as, well, that's just how it goes. Huh. I mean, many of the men credited with these discoveries didn't steal them from the women who made them, like, you know, with malice and intent yeah some may have but most they were just given credit because it is known that a woman couldn't make a scientific discovery wow yeah crazy right is that still known yes no shit i it's not as prevalent but even the cases we'll go into go up to the 60s wow you know when it comes to most things i would much rather deal with a woman than a man it depends on the things. Most things, I say. Mm-hmm. Not everything. But, you know, 
If I end up with testicular cancer, I don't want a woman to tell me that. I'd rather a, a man doctor say, look, your balls are going to fall off here in about two weeks, so get ready. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know, somebody who can actually empathize a little bit. Right. When right. it comes to, like, male problems, let's deal with a man. That way somebody can go, mm, that's going to be terrible. I don't know. I mean, this is going to be a bit of a stereotype, but you know, how many, how many, how many men actually are out there empathizing? Not a whole lot ever, really. Yeah, yeah. Maybe three. Going back to the topic at hand. Okay. Their names may be omitted from school history books, publications, awards, but with a little research, their names and stories come to light. We're going to talk about a few here, but if you want to know more. You can find information on the women we mention and many more at your local library. God damn right. Go to your local library, folks. Yeah, I did the plug for the library at the beginning this time. We're going to probably do it at the end, too. I probably will. So get ready for it. So let's talk about a few of these unsung scientists whose discoveries have improved all of our lives. Okay, let's do it. Let's start with a name you might know. Okay. Hedy Lamar. Sounds familiar. Known mainly for her work in film in the 30s and 40s, Okay, Hetty was also an inventor. Unlike many women on this list, Hetty did receive some recognition for her contributions, but not nearly enough for what her work has brought us. Okay. But we'll get to that. Let's do it. Hetty was born in Vienna, uh, Austria, on November 9th, 1914. Okay. As Hedwig Eva Marie Keisler. Oh, okay. Another November birthday for you, Tanya. Do you know originally why the Hetty... Stuck out in my head because that was the the little lady's name on that NCIS show. Really? Yeah. <laughs> was was it short for Hedwig and that? The NCIS, not El, Los Angeles. That one. Oh, okay. She was the little, little tiny lady who was the boss. Her oh. name was Hedy in there. Huh. That's that. So that's an, okay. Maybe that's where that I was like, yeah, I heard that. Oh, well, I'm sure if it's I a showed, different person. I'm sure if I showed you pictures, she'd be like, oh yeah, her. Right. I, was, I still know who she is now, but at first, that's why I said, yeah, right. I know who she is. Hetty's interest in machines started at an early age. Okay. One source said she dismantled and reassembled her music box at the age of five just to understand how it worked. I've done stuff like that. Yeah. yeah right, same. This interest would take a back seat for a while when she was discovered as an actress at the age of sixteen. But the aforementioned interest never waned. She was introduced to Howard Hughes, whom she reportedly dated for a moment, who gave her a small set of lab equipment that she could use in her trailer between takes Mm -hmm. to just continue her experimentation. Cool. Uh, He'd introduce her to the engineers at his factory, and one source stated that she designed a brand new type of wing for Howard Hughes' planes. That's awesome. She's also said to have invented a table that would turn, or a tablet, not a table, a tablet, yeah, like a little pill that would turn plain water into cola. That's pretty awesome. That's a pretty sweet invention. Absolutely. I really need to stop with the puns. Did it come with carbonation and everything? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Why is that pill? Why does Coke not sell that by the twelve pack? I don't know. Get on that shit, Coke. That's a good question. Or Pepsi. I like Pepsi. Yeah, and either way, also, also, you know, sponsor us. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the invention that uh, put her at the top of this list, though, was patented under the name Secret Communication System. Right. For this invention, Lamar teamed up with composer George uh, Antiel. Okay. Together, they created a way radio transmitters and receivers could hop from frequency to frequency simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So both transmitter and receiver were jumping from say, the, following the same 
path jumping from signal to signal. So yeah. we never stand the same frequency. Oh, okay. Uh, the idea, but you could still talk to the other right, person. because it was all in sync. Yeah, gotcha. The idea was that this frequency hopping mm-hmm. could be used to present, prevent the uh, interception of military signals during World War II, both for verbal communications and for torpedo guidance. And that's pretty cool. The military would decide against the use of this technology during the war. Okay. Uh, partly due to the technology of actually building it uh, was kind of impractical at the time. It was huge and expensive. Very expensive and, yeah. Yeah. However, this invention paved the way for much of our current technology, including Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and cellular signals. That is amazing. So, our lovely enlightened ones, many of you can thank Hedy Lamar for your ability to listen to us. Absolutely. Or, or, or curse her name. Right. Either way. Exactly. It's up to you folks. Like I mentioned, Lamar is one of the few names on this list who got any recognition at all. Mm-hmm. Although the greatest, her induction into the National Inventors Hall of Fame, didn't come until 14 years after her death. Oh, that's a dick move. So, while we're talking about computers, mm-hmm. let's take a minute to talk about Grace Hopper. Okay. Hopper was born in New York on December 9th, 1906. Okay. She graduated Vassar College with a bachelor's degree in 1928 mm-hmm. and received a master's and PhD from Yale University in 1930 and 1934, respectively. Oh, damn. Yeah. In 1943, Hopper joined the Navy Reserve. Mm-hmm. Her knowledge and intelligence was recognized quickly, and she was placed on the Bureau of Ordinances computation project at harvard university wow there she worked on the mark one a giant automatic calculating machine Uh and the ancient ancestor of modern computers okay she also wrote one of the first manuals for the operation of automatic calculator machines that's awesome in 1949 she was hired by the eckert um, motley computer corporation Mm -hmm. where she did something for which i will always be grateful designed one of the first compilers. Okay. So, for those not in uh, software development field, a compiler is basically, it's a translator for computers. It takes a human readable language and converts it into something a computer can understand and use. Like zeros and ones? Yeah, for the most part. Gotcha. I'm sure many of you would look at coding languages and say they're still complicated and unreadable, but compared to you know, zeros and ones. Right. You know, words like try, you know, catch, for, next. Yeah. Uh, are much easier to understand. Okay. Her work on compilers led to the creation of the programming language COBOL. Okay. Which I do not know COBOL, though I am aware of people who do. All right. I believe Dad actually knew COBOL at one point in time. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. So without her work, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast on whatever device you're hearing us. Right. Or have that device, probably. Right. So let's move away from computer technology and let's talk about biology. Okay. I find biology intriguing. I do, too. And it's one of those subjects that if I had unlimited time and money, I'd study it. Right. Sadly, I don't have either of those things. No, neither do I. Not yet. <laughs> well, without the next two women, advancements in biology may have never reached the level they are today. Mm-hmm. Yet so few people know who they are. Let's see if I know. All right. The first was Nettie Stevens. Doesn't sound familiar. All right. Well, let's talk about her. Let's see what she did. Maybe I'll know what she did. Nettie was born in Vermont on July 7th, 1861. Okay. I was young then, but I remember. 
Yeah, I think that's in the... That's PT. Oh, okay. Yeah, pre-Tony. Pre-Tony, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. She received a bachelor's from Stanford University in 1899. Okay. A master's only a year later. I remember 1900. That's a good year. She received a PhD in biology from Brian Maurer College. Uh, it's a private women's college in Pennsylvania in 1903. So in a mere four years, she managed to get the highest level degree she could. That's awesome. Most people take four years just to get a bachelor's degree. I took four years to not complete high school. <laughs> That's fair. And in that time, she got the highest level degree she was capable of. Yeah, she of. was doing way better than I was. So got yeah, crazy smart. Absolutely. Two years later, 1905, while doing experiments with mealworms, she determined that it was actually the combination of the X and Y chromosome Mm-hmm. that was responsible for the determination of sex in organisms. Oh, wow. And it actually settled the debate about what determined that. Before her, some people thought, you know, it could be external influences, like if, you know, the mother was in a particularly cold climate, then she'd have a girl. Oh. Uh, things like that. Or if she spent more time on her stomach at night when she slept, she might have a boy. Right, exactly. Right, gotcha. But, you know, um, Stevens proved, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt that no, it is completely genetic. Right. And it is about these two chromosomes. X's and Y's. She published her paper with fellow geneticist Thomas Hunt Morgan. Good name. Who became the only one who was credited with the discovery. Oh, no. That's a dick move. Just because she wasn't born with a penis? Apparently. She was the one who discovered why she was born with a vagina and not a penis. How did she not get credit for that? That is a weirdly good point i know right <laughs> yeah uh, so I, I, this this is one of those where it didn't seem like there was malicious intent in it it was just they published the paper together and the scientific community was like oh well you know thomas hunt morgan did the work and she was the lab assistant wow so, men are such fucking assholes sometimes we're not the best you try next woman on the list okay Rosalind Franklin. Vaguely familiar. Okay, let's talk about her. Let's do it. Her work led to the discovery of the structure of DNA. She does sound familiar. Mm. Franklin was born in London, England on July 25th, 1920. Yep. She attended Newnham College um, at the University of Cambridge, Mm -hmm. where she graduated with a degree in physical chemistry. She was offered a fellowship to continue her research, but then... Dun-dun-dun! What happened? War. Ah, war, you bastard. In an effort to help the uh, war, she started working as a research associate for the British Coal Utilization, examining the chemistry of coal and carbon for use in World War II. Okay. She then used the data she gathered doing that job as the research for her doctoral thesis Mm -hmm. and received a doctorate from Cambridge University in 1945. That's awesome. But it was a pretty good gap, though, 20 years. Four twenty-three. Well, you know, war. Yeah, war and everything. So, yeah. she's crazy smart. Also, after getting her degree, she worked at uh, State Chemical Lab in Paris from nineteen forty-seven to nineteen fifty, mm-hmm. studying X-ray diffraction technology. Okay. And she applied what she learned to her studies of coal and carbon. But it wasn't until she became a research fellow at King's College in London that her studies of X-ray diffraction would lead to one of the greatest breakthroughs in biology. Okay. Which I totally spoiled by talking about it at the beginning. Right, right. Do it again, though. All right. She began to take, attempt to take X-ray photographs of DNA mm-hmm. 
using what she'd learned, she started fine-tuning the process of trying to make the images more and more clear and with each attempt getting you know cleaner and more able to see what DNA truly looked like. Right. Another researcher at uh, King's College, Maurice Wilkins, without the knowledge or permission of Franklin, shared these images with James Watson and uh, Francis Crick of Cambridge University, two other researchers who were looking into DNA. I bet they all had dicks, didn't they? Oh, well, yeah, 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 they did. Uh, the two researchers with the photo were able to correctly identify the double helix shape of DNA. So that's the classic spirally staircase looking? The two that zigzag across each other. Yeah, they kind of look like spiral staircase. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Gotcha, okay. They published a number of articles in the Journal of Nature explaining DNA structure in 1953. Mm-hmm. Franklin also published her own findings in the same journal, same year, going into even more detail mm -hmm. about you know how DNA was made up and how the images were made and you know what what all of it showed. Right. So actually pouring in everything she knew, proving that hey, this was my work. Right. Like they can't tell you this; only the person who did these experiments can do this. Right. Like they one guy literally came into my office while I was on lunch and stole my research. Here's the sad part. Okay. In 1962, mm -hmm. Watson, Crick, and Wilkins, you know, the one who borrowed her photo, right, would get the Nobel Prize. Oh, you're kidding me. Nope. Oh, no, that sucks. Yeah. So, there are many, many more names on, on this list, but in the interest of time and information overload, we're going to stop here. Okay. I mean, there's there's so many. There's a woman who helped with the Manhattan Project, and her discoveries led to what was considered, you know, had been considered a law of physics. She proved it wrong and was able to, you know, help actually create the very first atomic bombs through mm -hmm. her research. There's another woman who discovered pulsars. Okay. And one of her colleagues was given full credit for that. Another biologist discovered bacteriophage. Mm -hmm. A little virus that eats bacteria. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there's so many more. Did that lead to, like, antibiotics or something? Actually, I have to double-check that one. All right. It was some sort of medical thing came yes, from it, I'm sure. Yes, and, and hers was even worse. Um, that happened during uh, in Austria during the beginning of World War II, and she was Jewish. So not only was she a woman, but she was Jewish. So it was, like, two strikes against her there. Right, yeah. And the colleague who did publish her work... Mm -hmm. did intentionally leave her out, but intentionally left her out so her work would be taken seriously. Now, do you think that's what really happened, or was that just like the world's best fucking excuse? Uh, considering the time and location, and that wasn't even about her being a woman. That was about her being Jewish. But, you know, would he have done it if it hadn't been Germany in 1939? I mean, he if probably still would have gotten credit. Switzerland in 1865, it wouldn't have been a big deal. You know, he wouldn't have. He, I bet he was still done. I bet he just lucked out and had the best excuse in the world on deck right there. I mean, it's highly likely. Yes. So I highly recommend a quick internet search or a trip to your local library. Ah. Support your local library, folks. You called it. I did it on both ends, didn't I? I knew it was going to happen again. Uh, my mind was blown. Right. I mean, just all of the different stuff that... And you never hear about it. No, you, because some man bastard covered it up. I mean, again, sometimes it wasn't always malicious. 
Yeah, but I would bet for every one time you found that it legitimately wasn't malicious, you would find 115 that it were. I suppose. I mean, I guess math and science is a competitive field, and people suck. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's what it boils down to. Uh, I mean, what do you think? I, I think there was a, it was a lot to take in, and I, and I, I think that uh, as a man, I'm kind of sorry for the ladies out there who had to go through that shit. I mean, it, it's not right. It's not right then. It's not right now, and you're saying it's still happening, so that's just wrong on so many levels. It's true, and I suppose you know, just just throw this out there because I know this this could be disheartening mm-hmm. if you have you know a young woman who wants to go into science and here's this and you know well i may never get known right i may never get credit for everything i did i may cure cancer right and i will never see credit well as long as there are people willing to look into it and willing to learn there are people who will see you right and most people don't go into things that they do for credit and recognition this is true. You know, I mean, if there's, a, if there's a young lady out there listening now who's thinking about becoming a doctor or a biologist or a scientist, and she's worried about not getting credit for curing cancer, I would say, go ahead and cure cancer, and I promise we will find out that it was you, and we will do an episode on you later on if either one of us is still alive. 100%. Maybe one of us, you know, ends up in remission from cancer thanks to your discovery. Absolutely, thanks to your discovery, and we will 100% find out who it was that cured that for us. Exactly, and we'll make sure that at least our lovely enlightened ones know that that was you. Absolutely, and all my neighbors, because I'll shout it naked from the balcony. Well, until next time, I continue to be Nathan. And I continue to be Tony. Don't cook bacon naked. Support your local library. Save the last dance. Tip your wage, staff. Nobody puts Tony in the corner. Hey, you guys! Oh, we did that last time. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> well, I do this tip your weight staff every time, too. Yeah, I know, but that's kind of your thing. Yeah, it kind of is. Good night, everyone. Good night.